This podcast is produced by Castle Point Systems, the compliance, security and discovery solution for all your information in any of your systems. Castle Point asks, what could you do and what could you achieve if you knew what every record in your environment was about, what rules applied to it and whether they were being met? Over the series, I talk with a range of industry, academic and government commentators from Australia and overseas about ways to mitigate risks to data and compliance and to maximise the opportunities that are arising. I interview experts in the records, strategy, discovery, security and audit fields who share their experience and insights in ways we can all apply right now and into the future of our new normal. Hello everyone, welcome again to another one of our webinar sessions. Um, I'd like to introduce Chief Minister Andrew Barr. Andrew, I'm just going to do an acknowledgement of country and then I will introduce you and throw to you for the first question. I'd just like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land that I'm on today, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge any and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Now, Chief Minister, you are the ACT's Chief Minister, Tourism Minister, Treasurer, Minister for Social Inclusion and Equality, Tertiary Education, Minister for Trade, Industry and Investment. A lot of hats, a big job. Can you tell us a bit about your background and how you came to be in this role? I think you're on mute. There we go. Uh, okay, yes, good morning, and thanks for the opportunity uh, to be part uh, of the webinar. Uh, yes, so I uh, moved to Canberra as a four-year-old in 1977, and I'm a product of the ACT's uh, education system. Uh, I studied uh, economics and political science and public policy at the ANU. Uh, spent a little bit of time uh, working in the private sector before I ran for the Legislative Assembly. Have we still got you there? No, we've lost him. Hmm. Great session today, guys. I'm really sorry about this. We'll see if we can get Andrew Barr back again. As I mentioned in the chat, they are having some issues with their connection. Please just bear with me while I furiously message about 18 people to see if we can get him back. While we're waiting, I actually have a poll that I'd like to run, um, which I will just start now while we're waiting. Here we go. I'd just like to know how many of the people on the call today are Canberra-based. Um, if you are, I'm sure you're familiar with the Chief Minister, and I'm going to ask him a little bit about the Canberra knowledge economy. Here we go, results coming in thick and fast. So far, two-thirds of people, yes, are Canberra-based. And uh, most don't work with government. I'm surprised actually being in the Canberra bubble here and now to 89% Canberra based, 40% don't work with government at all. 30% work with federal, another 30% work with federal and local. Those results keep changing. I'll just wait another moment until we get some more in. And then I'll share those with you while we try to get the chief minister back on the line. Okay. We're on it, apparently. We're getting back online. Here we go. Hello, have we got you back again? Yes, I don't know what happened there, but it just That's dropped out. Right. Uh, anyway, where, where was I? I was talking about, uh, yeah, so uh, a, a student of Canberra's education system 
uh, ran for the Legislative Assembly for the first time in 2004, uh, came into the Parliament on a count back in 2006, uh, and I've been Chief Minister now since uh, December 2014. Great. While you were away, we ran a poll, actually, and I've asked everyone on the call to let us know a little bit about their demographic, really, so I'll just share those results now. I asked everyone if they're Canberra based, it turns out most people on the call today are, and do they work with government? And you might be surprised, and I was, that about 50% of the people on the session who responded to the poll don't work with government. Um, we'll come back to that in a minute. I'll just stop sharing those results. But just before we go ahead, could you let me know just a little bit more about what your office is responsible for as far as um, the Canberra knowledge economy goes? Sure. So uh, the Chief Minister's office uh, in, in and of itself has a whole of government uh, coordination role in policy development uh, and uh, in liaison effectively with uh, all industry stakeholders, whether they're in, in the knowledge economy or, or more broadly, with some of the specific portfolio responsibilities uh, that I have either as treasurer or uh, through trade, industry and investment. I then have uh, uh, some more specific engagement with those uh, knowledge industry sectors. Now, uh, the biggest single uh, knowledge industry in the ACT is, uh, is sort of broadly defined as our higher education and research sector, and it's the, the Territory's first billion dollar export industry. Uh, but that, that would be one specific example, but clearly there are uh, broader elements uh, of the knowledge economy that extend into our professional, scientific, uh, technical uh, industry sectors, uh, and more broadly, uh, science, uh, technology, engineering and mathematics. The, uh, the, the STEM disciplines are really a strong feature in the ACT. Right, and I think around 50% of our workforce is essentially part of that knowledge economy, isn't it? And, and you mentioned a billion dollar economy in higher education, which I want to talk about a bit more in a minute. Um, what are some of your other favourite sort of ACT data points, some other good numbers to share with us? Sure, well look, as, uh, as Treasurer, I get a, uh, a steady stream of economic data that, uh, that comes through uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly. Uh, and it's interesting to observe uh, that you know, in a lot of our public discourse, we have a very, very big focus uh, on all of that economic data. And in times like these, uh, it's obviously poured over in great detail. Australia's national accounts, for example, will come out, uh, uh, I think it's in about 25 minutes uh, from now, and there'll be a, a lot of discussion and dissection of that information. Uh, so there, there's an element of, uh, of, of that, uh, that data that uh, often, though, is somewhat lagged in terms of it, it represents what happened uh, three months ago uh, or two months ago. What we are seeing in recent times is more real-time data emerging on consumption patterns within the economy. Uh, that's all uh, very significant to us. But importantly, we've, we've sought to broaden uh, our data, uh, the collection of data, our analysis and interpretation of it through the ACT's wellbeing framework that I launched uh, uh, several months ago now, uh, we've been working on for a couple of years. Uh, and this framework comprises 12 domains of wellbeing. Uh, 
that cover uh, economic matters, but also education and lifelong learning achievement, environment and the climate, governance and institutions, health outcomes, housing outcomes, living standards, community safety, social connection, use of time, identity and belonging, uh, access and connectivity. So it's a broader set of data as to both how our city functions economically, uh, but also uh, our social wellbeing. Sure. Do you think we're, we're going to see some real gains in some of those areas as a result of the pandemic? I'm thinking of use of time particularly. I don't know about you. You're probably still just as busy as you were before, but we are commuting a lot less. You know, we have a lot more time in our day now for, for work and for kids. And um, that's certainly something that's been a benefit to us. I know there's challenges, but I think there's opportunities as well. Do you think that some of those... Um, those wellness factors can actually improve as a result of what's been happening? Look, I, I believe so. And what, what we've in some parts uh, been forced to, in others uh, with, with a, a quite a degree of willingness really to, to adapt to a, a changed working environment, uh, yes, does, does derive all of those, uh, those benefits. What we're finding as an employer ourselves uh, and a very diverse employer across so many different uh, industry sectors, occupations, professions uh, and workplace settings. Uh, the ACT government, because of our local government and state government responsibilities, you know, we have nurses, doctors, teachers, lawyers, economists, we've got bus drivers, we've got people who are uh, maintaining our public spaces, we've got ecologists, uh, we've got park rangers, uh, we've got uh, such a diverse workforce. We're finding that the flexibility uh, that technology has uh, has given us, the capacity to work from home, to yes, to reduce time uh, spent commuting to and from office buildings, uh, has certainly increased productivity in many areas. Uh, and the feedback from our staff has been that they like this flexibility. Now, it doesn't work in every workplace setting, and there needs to be uh, flexibility and discussion. Uh, and I suspect that where we're going to end up as an employer for our 20,000 staff will, will be to have that long-term uh, flexibility that some of the, uh, the legacies from this period will, will be sustained longer term. And that will mean that some people can predominantly work from home. Others might wish to, uh, to come into the office one or two days a week or only for certain parts of the day. Uh, and in terms of the efficiency and functioning of the city and taking pressure off uh, our peak hours uh, and seeing more movement occurring outside of peak hours and less traffic congestion and the like, I think that all makes sense uh, and should be a part of our future thinking. Yeah, I, I agree. I think most people on the call would. Unfortunately, I don't have a pre-prepared poll for that. So we'll move on to the next topic of discussion. It's Reconciliation Week um, this week, finishing uh, today, actually, I think. So um, when you're looking at these, these data sources and the information that you're gathering to help inform the strategies and plans and frameworks that you're coming up with, what role do the region's Indigenous people have in providing that information to you? Look, a, a very significant one, uh, both in terms of a direct voice to, to government uh, and to the ACT Legislative Assembly through uh, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elected body, 
Uh, this body is democratically elected. It consists of uh, seven people who are represented, uh, who represent the uh, ACT Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. Uh, this, this body meets uh, with the ACT Cabinet, uh, meets with the ACT Minister for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Affairs, and also holds uh, estimates style hearings with directors general of each of the ACT government's directorates. Uh, and so that's a, a quite detailed Q&A with the, the senior public servants on the implementation of policy uh, and its sort of practical uh, implementation in our community. Uh, but then with ministers uh, uh, and with the cabinet as well on specific policy areas. Now, sometimes that can be uh, very much related to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander policy, but then also it is an opportunity for engagement on how broader policy making impacts on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Canberrans. Great. Um, Canberra's renowned for its knowledge economy, you know, with the knowledge capital of Australia. And I think the two pillars of that are the people, you know, the human capital of that really highly educated workforce that we have, and also the data. You know, you need data to create information, which then becomes knowledge. So um, we obviously have lots and lots of that across all of ACT government and ACT industry. So can you tell us a little bit about the ACT's knowledge economy, you know, what it is in your perspective and why it's so important? Yes, well, I think at the heart of it is that knowledge and information drives the creation of value. Uh, and perhaps unlike uh, physical capital, uh, knowledge capital really relies on networks uh, and building upon itself through collaboration, perhaps more than competition, although there will always be an element of competition in, in, any, in any knowledge economy. Uh, I think the success for the ACT's knowledge economy is the strong links and networks that exist uh, between government, uh, government funded research institutions, uh, the private sector uh, and our innovation network. So the Canberra Innovation Network that is uh, effectively a joint venture between the ACT government, uh, our universities and private sector partners. The, the key to having a strong and sustainable and diversified territory economy, uh, I think has come to the fore uh, in, in, in this year, uh, where we have seen particular in industry sectors really, uh, really hit hard by a combination of the bushfires, the smoke, and, and now a, a coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so the value of diversification and the capacity of our knowledge economy to adapt uh, to those circumstances uh, is, I think, well, both is a strength now and will be a strength in our recovery. So uh, right now, it's uh, uh, the opportunity here is to identify and share knowledge uh, and to ensure that those diverse knowledge industry sectors, education that we've talked about, uh, the community sector through so the social service delivery, uh, healthcare delivery, in property, in finance, in uh, environment, uh, renewable energy, science and technology uh, will allow us to identify and create future value for our community. Uh, and because we have the most highly educated workforce in Australia, and because we're home to 
the CSIRO, ANU, University of Canberra, UNSW Canberra, the Canberra Institute of Technology, the Canberra Innovation Network, we really do have uh, the, the pieces in place to, to build on, uh, on our successes. Uh, on a per capita basis, for example, even though we are a, a small part of the Australian economy, on a per capita basis, we export more services than any other Australian city. So that's been a real growth uh, area for us over the last decade. That is a great that is a great statistic and not one that I was familiar with. Do you have some other statistics you can throw at us about our, our industry and economy here? Well, we are, uh, I think we are, in terms of our per capita output, uh, our economy uh, is bigger than the state of Tasmania's uh, and it's now the sixth largest economy uh, in Australia. We've got a little way to go before we will run down South Australia, but based on our, uh, on our current growth trends and the industries that are and have been delivering that growth for us, we've been growing faster than South Australia. Our geography uh, between the two major uh, Australian cities of Sydney and Melbourne uh, certainly assists us in that regard uh, but where where we differ from Sydney and Melbourne goes to a, uh, I guess a point that we've we've touched on uh, earlier in in the conversation that's about our, our livability uh, but also uh, that critical mass uh, of skilled people uh, and that's going to be fundamental to us to our success in both attracting and retaining skilled people in our economy. And with our public sector base that constitutes about a third uh, of all employment in the Territory, so a quarter of that is with the Commonwealth Government uh, and just a little under 10% is with the ACT Government. Uh, so that gives us stability and a very sound base on which to build this knowledge economy. It importantly shields us to a, a certain extent from some of the worst elements of economic downturn um, that we are experiencing now, uh, but that Australia hadn't experienced for 28 years in a row. So the value of our public sector base and those research institutions and the knowledge economy is coming to the fore right now. Yeah, I think we've seen that. I think we've seen that um, ACT government and federal government has been somewhat um, buffered from the worst impacts of the pandemic. You know, there's consistent employment there. Uh, we did see that um, government did have a bit of a freeze moment, maybe a bit of a panic moment and a lot of um, engagement with industry and a lot of projects related to information management stopped. They did pause, but they started again. You know, they, they wound themselves back up to life and, and things look, to be honest, busier now than they were before. I think our um, Canberra um, employment base as well, the people who live and work in Canberra in the government um, feel secure and comfortable here. You know, we have a great lifestyle here. We have good health services and we seem to have been fairly well protected from the worst health impacts of the pandemic too. So um, is it that livability of Canberra and our public services and our kind of, you know, social commitments in the ACT that attract that knowledge worker base and retain them? but also attract and retain foreign students? Because I'm assuming that higher education is our, is our largest export. Yes, yes. So the, the tertiary education and research sector uh, prior to the pandemic was contributing about $3.3 billion a year uh, to the territory economy. 
a little over a billion of that uh, was in, in the export sector. So that would be the, the international student element. Mm. Uh, and the, the, the total number of full-time equivalent jobs in the sector was, was around 20,000 uh, of the 240,000 jobs uh, there were in the ACT economy uh, prior to the pandemic. Now, to give people a sense of the size of the impact, uh, the most recent unemployment data saw that 240,000 jobs reduce to 231,500. Uh, and so that's you know, effectively the immediate impact uh, of the pandemic on particularly uh, hospitality and personal services uh, and retail. We're starting to see with the reopening uh, of a number of those industry sectors, some of that employment coming back. But the, the challenge over the next uh, 12 to 24 months will be to grow our total employment uh, back over that 240,000 mark and, uh, and hopefully head towards uh, 250,000 uh, over the next few years. Now, prior to the pandemic, we had the fastest employment growth of any Australian state or territory, uh, and it was predominantly coming in the private sector. Uh, and so that's, uh, I think, encouraging fundamentals. Uh, what remains to be seen uh, is just how much global trade is impacted, uh, not just by the pandemic, but also uh, some of the geopolitical manoeuvring that is occurring uh, in the world uh, at the moment. Uh, and undoubtedly, you know, there are challenges uh, for the ACT economy and indeed the Australian economy terms of managing our trade relationships with China, uh, the uh, disruption in the US economy at the moment as a result of uh, the combination of the pandemic, the social issues, their impending presidential election, all of which uh, says to me that diversification of our export industries is going to be need to be an important focus uh, over the next five years. And so as part of the ACT's uh, international engagement strategy, we've been focusing on 10 key markets. China and the US are in that 10, uh, but there are others that we've been particularly engaged with in recent times. Uh, Indonesia, India, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, and other uh, parts uh, of Asia are all going to be important. Uh, and I think in the immediate future, uh, stronger trans-Tasman ties are going to be important as Australia and New Zealand uh, will certainly need uh, to work together more closely in this changed environment. Uh, and then we have an opportunity uh, to support the development uh, of Pacific nations uh, over uh, the coming five years as well. And there will be a lot of opportunities uh, for ACT-based businesses uh, to support the economic development uh, of our Pacific neighbours. Uh, and the Australian government and the ACT government are certainly working on programs uh, to assist that to occur. It not only uh, helps the economic development of those nations, uh, but it also uh, supports uh, local export businesses. That's great. It's good to see a, a humanist approach, I guess, to 
to economic growth, looking at how we can support other countries as well as how we can benefit from a relationship with them. Uh, the Trans-Tasman thing is, is really key, I think, because from my perspective as a, as a records and knowledge manager, New Zealand and the UK have the same rules and regulations as us, essentially. They use the same international standard to govern how information is managed. We've spoken to previous panellists about the barriers to export um, for Australian companies. Not only do they need to comply with Australian regulation, but they also, when they start domiciling data overseas or providing information services to foreign nationals, they have to comply with the laws of those lands as well. So finding those synergies um, and sort of sister relationships with other countries, I think, is really key in the growth of the knowledge economy. I'm just going to ask... Yeah, them, I think that's... Uh, it is an excellent point, and uh, it occurred to me that I, uh, I excluded uh, Great Britain and the EU from that uh, from that broad list. Obviously, with uh, I mean Brexit does seem so 2019 now in light of everything that that's been happening in the world. But that will uh, obviously need uh, some close attention in terms of facilitating the a new trade arrangement uh, with the UK. Uh, and then also uh, some deeper engagement with the EU. But all, I think, under the broader umbrella of diversifying uh, our industry engagement, our international engagement. Uh, and for, for the ACT, as we look across our, our knowledge economy sectors, uh, as I've mentioned, renewable energy uh, will, will continue to be a strong point for us. We're not going to be a manufacturer uh, of that technology but we, uh, on a large scale, but we certainly are uh, going to be a world leader in research and development. The arts, culture and creative industries are a real opportunity for us, uh, together with further development of, of the space industry uh, and spatial information. We'll continue to be the hub for Australia's defence and cyber industries with the CSIRO research presence, uh, plant and agricultural sciences will be a strong point for us. I think health innovation is the other area I, I would highlight and we're, we're seeing that uh, in terms of responses to the pandemic, but more broadly, I think these sorts of population health issues are going to be more pertinent and uh, the, the, the devastating economic impacts of pandemics are there for all to see. And so this is an opportunity for, for our city, both in terms of how we've responded to the pandemic locally, uh, but then what knowledge we can share with, uh, with the rest of the world will be important. Uh, and then finally, uh, in a, any discussion of, uh, uh, of industry sectors in, in the Australian context, couldn't overlook sport and recreation. It is part of our, uh, our national psyche. And I think sports technology would be a specific area with the presence of the Australian Institute of Sport uh, in our city that we would have a comparative advantage. That's great. That sounds um, very promising and actually inspiring. Um, I'm going to ask a, a poll question again to the audience now about a bit of a sentiment analysis of how they think the future looks in terms of the knowledge economy in Canberra. I've just launched that poll there. So, um, uh, so far, everyone's saying, yep, it looks good. The sector is growing. Uh, we're also asking, do you think there could be a downturn or do you think maybe not much will change? So I'll let that poll run. Oh, yeah, a few people a bit concerned. Um, while we're letting that poll run, 
I just wanted you to sort of sum up what you think the opportunities are coming out of this. Obviously, higher education has been hit hard. We talked a bit before about, you know, maybe this can be an opportunity to shake up the way that we do our remote working and flexible hours. What other kind of key opportunities do you think there are that we can actually turn to our advantage as a result of the pandemic? Well, I think firstly, our capacity to adapt to changing circumstances and to do so rapidly is going to going to be a feature of uh, of the coming decades. Uh, that's driven not only by you know, the rapid pace of technological change, uh, but also uh, increased globalisation. Now, I, I'm uncertain as to uh, how some of the uh, you know the current uh, political and national disputes. Uh, between uh, some of the world's largest economies are going to uh, finally play out. Uh, I think there a risk factor for Australia is being caught between our largest trading partner, China, and uh, our, our long-term uh, security ally and, uh, and partner in, in the United States. Uh, that is a risk, and I think that's sort of broadly acknowledged. What will be important for the ACT uh, is that we continue to diversify uh, both our industry sectors and our industry engagement. Now, government has an important role to play in uh, being able to facilitate uh, access uh, to some of those uh, emerging markets uh, or to re-establish uh, and strengthen some of our uh, more traditional relationships and alliances that might have uh, might have been overlooked somewhat uh, in uh, in the rush to do more business with uh, with China over the last decade, for example. So that's where I, I, I want to highlight the the opportunities that sort of emerge in our immediate region that are of a scale uh, that uh, businesses in the ACT and that the ACT more broadly. Uh, is really well placed uh, to address. Uh, and so th that's why the Pacific will be important to us. Uh, and that, that sort of covers almost every area of, uh, of public administration, government service delivery, uh, and how uh, those technologies can be, uh, can be rolled out across developing nations. And that's it goes to things as fundamental uh, as uh, water, sewerage, electricity networks, uh, and effective operation of virtual power plants, renewable energy in uh, in remote locations, uh, through to the delivery of uh, functional uh, public health systems, education systems, vocational education and training systems, the engineering skills that will be necessary uh, to deliver infrastructure projects. Uh, then I think just focusing on our own domestic economy, the, the thing that's sort of front of mind for me now is that our stimulus measures uh, leave long-term legacies. Uh, and one very practical example that was highlighted to me was that Manuka Pool, that wonderful social institution uh, in Canberra's inner south, was a product of the Great Depression. 
it was something that was built at that time and you know nearly a century on stands uh, as, a, as an important community asset. That's one example of where uh, a sensible long-term government investment, you know, made at a time of economic crisis pays dividends for decades to come. There are countless other examples of that sort of uh, public infrastructure, be it economic enhancing or uh, that that would deliver social benefits uh, that now is the time uh, to be investing in. And so that's uh, a real focus for us uh, you see that in our investments in vocational education and training in our public health system uh, and in productivity enhancing investments in our city's infrastructure. Uh, and part of that also is uh, is technology. So you know, the, the faster the national broadband network can be rolled out, the more connectivity we have uh, in our city, the easier it will be to do business. The future looks pretty bright and our poll attendees overwhelmingly agree, about 83% saying that, that, yeah, it looks like things will get better in terms of the knowledge economy. Some concern that it will get worse. Do you think there's anything that can stop this juggernaut of our knowledge economy? It sounds too good to be true. Is there is there a risk? And if there is, how are you addressing that? Well, look, I think the specific risk really will be uh, at a, a national and international level uh, around both the free flow of people and ideas. And so I think my greatest concern at the moment is a retreat into nationalism uh, in an unhealthy way. That's, that's all, it's, it's important to be you know, proud of where you come from and your country, uh, but that uh, should not manifest itself uh, in isolation from uh, your region or the rest of the world. Uh, or a sense that your country has the only uh, good ideas or that its values are the only values uh, that anyone else in the world could or should uh, adopt. So that's going to be the, uh, the, the challenge, I think, in the short to medium term. There's been you know, decades now of increased globalisation uh, and that's led to you know, many benefits in terms of raising you know, many millions and billions of people out of poverty. Uh, but it also uh, clearly has, uh, has created uh, and highlighted some inequities uh, between nations and within nations. And that's going to be a, a policy challenge. And I think part of that policy challenge is what's manifesting itself in the United States at the moment. So. That's something to be wary of in Australia. Uh, I think our society is more equal uh, than the United States and it reinforces the importance of strong social safety nets, uh, of inclusion uh, and of ensuring that, uh, that those Australian values are an important part of our approach, uh, but that uh, we still remain open to engagement with, with other nations and that should, uh, should be how we approach uh, our region and the world over the, the coming years. Excellent message. Think strategically, not tactically. Think compassionately, don't act out of fear. Chief Minister Andrew Barr, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fantastic. And again, thank you everyone for joining us today. You can come and jump into the LinkedIn group and continue the conversation there if you'd like to. Once again, Chief Minister, Perfect. thank you very much. much. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Castle Point Systems, please go to our website at www.castlepoint.systems to get in touch. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn, where you can engage with us and all of our experts. <laughs>